Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We hear it all the time about people with really good vision. They say they have the eyes of an eagle. It's always an eagle, right? Never a pig. Of course, why would it be a pig? Well, why not? A study published this month in the journal Nature shows that 14 people who were legally blind now have improved vision thanks to a new procedure in which material derived from pigs is injected into patients' eyes. Its authors say it's a safe and efficient way to correct a condition called keratoconus that causes the cornea of the eye to become misshapen, leading to blurred vision and sensitivity to light. The study's author, Dr. Neil Legali of Linköping University in Sweden, joined Something Offbeat to discuss how the procedure could impact people's vision around the world and what that could lead to. You can mass breed animals, and then in the economy of scale, it will be cheaper and cheaper the larger the production you have. So yes, in that sense, it could provide a cheap source. Also joining us is Dr. David Casey Cooper, a pioneering expert in xenotransplantation. Xenotransplantation just refers to the transplantation of organs or cells or tissues from one animal species to another. I'm Mike Rogers, and this is Something Offbeat, the podcast where we take a deep dive into some of the headlines that make you stop and think. Now, to create material that could be injected into the eyes of patients dealing with vision loss from keratoconus without leading to rejection, Ligali and his team purchased medical-grade purified collagen from pigs. So are we talking natural or man-made? It's something in between, I would say. It's natural in, in the sense that we use natural collagen, which is a, a natural protein. But what we do is we take it in its raw, purified form, and we then take those molecules and use them to build up a tissue that's implantable. So it's sort of like we start with the building blocks, the proteins, and then we put them together and we make a strong tissue equivalent that we can implant. Can we rebuild an entire eye? And no, unfortunately, we're not at the stage right now where we can build an entire eye. Our work focuses on just the cornea, which is the uh, front part of the eye. And what can this tissue do? How does it work? How does it replace what has okay. gone bad in some people? So what this tissue can do is it's fully transparent when we make it. So that's really one of the main features of our cornea to let light into the eye. So in a lot of diseases, it loses transparency or it breaks down physically and uh, is too weak. So what we did was we engineered a tissue um, that's made from collagen, which the normal human cornea is made of collagen, the same material. And we made this material in such a way that it remains transparent and it's Long, it's tough, it can be implanted. Basically, the idea is that we then put it into the eye and it restores the transparency that's lost, or it restores the integrity and the strength. The collagen comes from where? From what part of the pig? I mean, how, yes. how is yeah. it extracted? 
So this is coming from the skin of the pig, and it's extracted by a chemical process and highly purified, this collagen, so there aren't any other molecules or impurities or cells in it. So that's really quite an important point, because those are things that later down the line can trigger unwanted response in the host. And yes, adverse reactions to materials or organs from other animals have been historically challenging for scientists researching xenotransplantation, but researchers are working on ways to avoid that. If you put an organ from an ordinary wild-type domestic pig into a patient, which has been done in the past, it's rejected within a few minutes. And so there's a very vigorous rejection response because the body recognizes that the pig organ is foreign to itself, and so it immediately tries to destroy it as it would destroy foreign invading bacteria, for example. But we've genetically engineered the pigs now so that most of that response is reduced very significantly. And that's why I say now we have monkeys or baboons surviving more than a year with a functioning pig kidney and about, for up to about nine months with a functioning pig heart. And so we really believe that most of the big problems have been overcome and that uh, we are ready now to carry out a very small, cautious clinical trial in patients to see how they fare. And if they fare well, then the trial will be expanded and so on to more patients until eventually we're using pig organs just as a routine surgical procedure. It seems like we hear a lot about this, materials from pigs being used in medical procedures. Are they closer to humans somehow biologically? They're preferred? Uh, yes, that's that's correct. So first of all, just the size and the similarity of the organs and the physiological functions are very similar to, to humans. Uh, and uh, this is one reason. Also, pigs are mammals that have skin with relatively little hair, and they are animals that gain weight easily. This is amenable to using pigs for tissues and organs. If we come to the eye, the eyes also between humans and pigs share a lot of traits, such as similar eye size. They have light colored eyes and they have heavy eyelashes like we do. We also read scientists recently produced a human sheep hybrid. What can you tell us about that? Okay, so that's actually another option to, rather than genetically modifying pigs to have organs that are more like human organs, another approach could be to start from the embryo stage and implant human cells in an embryo. And that's what they did with the sheep, so that during the entire development process, the body becomes used to the human cells and doesn't see it as foreign so that when the animal would grow and develop that the organs therefore would be more human-like. And the whole point of this is to try to get the immune system to accept these organs because that's really the biggest hurdle now for the human immune system not to reject these organs. And using purified pig collagen did cut down the risk of rejection in Legali's recent research the chance of rejection of something like this is nil? It's, well, we think it's very, very low. We nearly always transplant organs from humans that have some sort of virus in them. There are a number of viruses that are almost ubiquitous in humans. And so we transplant those viruses into the patient. And then we give immunosuppressive drugs, which reduces the response and the protection against viruses in the patient. And that can be quite troublesome to the patient breed pigs that are absolutely free of any viruses that will cause any problem or any bacteria that will cause any problems. And so they will actually be much safer in many respects than a human organ transplant.
And by the way, this material used for Legali's eyesight study was entirely a byproduct of pigs used primarily for food purposes. It's important to, I think, also stress that this collagen from the pig skin, it's a byproduct of the food industry. So the pigs are being used for food for other purposes. And normally the skin of the pig is in overabundance. So it would normally just be thrown away. So we're using that otherwise waste product. We actually slaughter well over 100 million pigs each year in this country for food. And I think worldwide, the number must be many hundreds of millions. They, they slaughter 500 million pigs in China to produce heparin, which is a drug that we use to thin the blood. It has to be, it's, it's, it's derived from pigs. Have ethical questions come up about this? Uh, yes, of course, um, especially when we talk about uh, sourcing material from animals. There are always important considerations. And of course, as researchers, we always need to have ethical approvals before we do any of our research. I would say that in our work, as I explained, it's sort of a waste product from the food industry. So we don't really have, we don't have pigs that are being raised for this, for example. But other medical research using pig tissues or organs, they actually will raise the pigs for that purpose and they will genetically modify the pigs so that the organs and tissues better match the human characteristics. So I guess you could think about there, first of all, should we be producing animals for such organs and in what sort of quantities? Or should we be looking at alternative procedures? Because, you know, science has advanced to a stage now where we can start to make organs or organoids, they're called, in a lab that are sourced from human tissue, human stems. So uh, that's one issue, potential issue. And then another issue is we're trying to make the pigs more and more human so that they match the organs of humans. But at what point does those genetic modifications start to make the pigs so human that, you know, even the brain might be affected and could they be sort of sentient on a level that humans are? So I think these questions need to be considered. If you compare the pigs that are slaughtered in the slaughterhouses and in industrial farming and their lives compared with the lives of these pigs that will be housing under ideal conditions, if they're going to be organ sources of hearts and so on, there's going to be no comparison. And so I think pigs raised for these purposes will be housed under much better conditions, their lives will be much better, and they will be, instead of slaughtered in the usual way, they will be anesthetized, just as any patient would be anesthetized. So I think the whole thing would be done very humanely. So if the reason is we don't want to use pigs, a lot of other, re other purposes we're using pigs, and this will be just one small step forward. We have many, many thousands of patients Hundreds of thousands of patients worldwide have got pig heart valves in them. And so it's just one step up instead of having a heart valve in you replaced. Do you find that some patients are resistant to this, that they're hesitant about receiving an organ from a pig? Well, we did a survey with my colleagues at the University of Alabama, where I was working until last year. We did several surveys and uh, what we call focus groups, where we surveyed patients, patients' families, physicians, nurses, and so on, 
uh, as to their act to xenotransplantation. And generally, it was very positive. It was positive if the result was going to be as good as a human organ transplant. And obviously, we can't guarantee that yet because we haven't done any in humans. So we don't know that for sure. But it was very positive. And I think one important point is that these were patients or many of the studies were done in people who never think they would need a, a kidney transplant or a heart transplant. And so if you looked at the patients who know that their life is going to depend on getting a, an organ transplant, I think they're more acceptable of using a pig organ if there's no alternative. And in many cases, I say there is no alternative. Dr. Legali's team explained that the material they created for their procedure could help make vision correction surgery more accessible around the world. That's because similar surgeries usually rely on human material that's less abundant and harder to store. Dr. Cooper also touted the easy access of animal donations. They have many advantages over human donors. First of all, they're available whenever you need them. I mean, you could pick up the phone and phone the pig facility and say, please send me a pig kidney tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, whereas a patient will wait for a human kidney maybe for 5 or even 10 years. The average is around about 4 years, uh, and many of those patients by then, of course, are no longer suitable for a transplant. They may have died of their kidney disease, for example, or they may have got other complications from it that make them no longer suitable for an organ transplant. And I would say more than 50% of the people on a kidney transplant waiting list do not get a transplant because there are just insufficient numbers of suitable deceased donor organs. This year, one of my colleagues at the University of Maryland, they did transplant a pig heart to a patient. And I think there will be more cases coming over the next two or three years. I think it's kind of a balance. We know that all medical progress depends on proper, you know, methodical scientific work. And that for medicine involves, you know, animals and a lot of our knowledge about the human body and about how biology works is coming from animals. So we have to, we have to kind of realize that and appreciate that. On the other hand, I can say that there's a lot of effort now and a lot of research being done to get away from animal models and to use in vitro models or to use other systems that could be grown in a dish, for example, in a laboratory that could potentially replace the use of animals. This is exciting for you, isn't it? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, where do you see it going? Where are we going to be 10 years from now or 20? That's a really good question. I believe a lot in the field of stem cells and genetic engineering. I think we're going to be taking our own cells and in a laboratory growing extra organs and tissues that because they're derived from our own cells, they would be perfectly compatible with, with our bodies. And then we could, you know, freeze them, put them in a in a tissue bank somewhere, and then when they're needed, we could then use them for our own bodies. And this wouldn't then use any animals. We just use our best, most advanced science. I'm Mike Rogers, and thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Berry and Chris Blake, with audio editing and original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall. If you'd like to keep listening, please subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, please send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 